Whether it's hunting, fishing, or just sharing the outdoors with friends and family, making memories in God's country is what it's all about. Welcome to the Cold Harbor Truth Podcast, presented by Cold Harbor Outdoors, with your host, Hank Parsley. Hey everybody, welcome to the first full episode of the Cold Harbor Truth Podcast. Uh, Last week was just a sneak peek into what this podcast is about, and now it's time to dive right in. I know I said last week that we would be having guests on the show. Um, I figured there would be no better place to start than with the people who basically are Cold Harbor Hunt Club, and that's my parents. Um, In this interview, we dive into a little background of how the club was established, and we go on through to where we are today. Um, Now, I'd just like to go ahead and turn it on over to this week's special guests. All right, on this week's episode, we have two very, very special guests. Um, I'm actually at their house right now. I'm sitting here with mom and dad. Um... Hunter Parsley and AP, I would say, probably king and queen of Cold Harbor Hunt Club. Um, but Cold Har- as I've said before, um, Cold Harbor Hunt Club was really created by my dad. And um, first, I'd just like to kind of ask, like, Dad, how long, how long have you been hunting and, like, really kind of what got you into it like what was what got you started into it i guess uh, i guess first memory of hunting was probably seven eight years old yeah my dad took me squirrel hunting and that's the scar i got right here <laughs> came from old hammer yeah a gun that gun. i just got myself yeah. right yeah yeah then it went from that into later on hunting with a friend of mine as a guest and I joined his hunt club when I was about 14 okay and then I guess from there you kind of kind of decided that maybe you want to do something your like your own on your own and you and I guess a couple guys that still hunt with us now pretty much kind of started Cold Harbor Hunt Club? Yeah, I um, hunted down there for four or five years and probably, I guess, 19, 20 years old. We started, uh, Herman Eaton and I and a couple others started hunting together. And it really wasn't a club. We just kind of hunted what couple little places we had and it just kept growing from that. Yeah, and I guess back then it's, I mean, nowadays, like, if we're having a good year with the hunt club, we're we're able to harvest, like, around 100 deer a season. Like, back then, like, 30 years ago or so, like, how many deer would you maybe expect to get in a year? Probably if we had 8 or 10 people, I, I can remember we killed 13. Yeah. That's just crazy, crazy how in what really is kind of a short amount of time, it changed so much. But mom, kind of like for you, I know like you kind of adopt that attitude of if you can't beat them, join them. Mm -hmm. So how long have you been hunting? 
see. Your dad and I started dating. I was like 19 years old. And, you know, when you start dating somebody, you want to spend time with them, especially on the weekends. But during hunting season, that's what he did. Yeah. So I was like, well, if I'm going to spend time with him, I guess I better go. Yeah. So I didn't that's know right. anything about hunting. My family didn't hunt at all. I mean, just yeah. everything I did... I would have to sit with another person and they'd have to tell me what to do at first. Yeah. It was like I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah. that's how I got started. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. Like just that's like a great point right there for somebody who wants to maybe get into hunting. You don't it doesn't matter what age, you can start hunting at any age. Anybody can kind of teach you how and and kind of get you to the point where you can kind of hunt on your own and obviously for you you have <clears throat> unfortunately for me killed a nicer deer than i ever have um and a stand that i still haven't figured out yet uh it's a stand in a place we hunt in lancaster that is just called ap stand now and growing up it used to be me and mom sitting together in the same spot but Somehow that's I have nothing to do with that. I guess that's just AP stand. But um, kind of I was kind of want to hit on like a little bit about how our club in general like works. I mean like now we have I mean really our club is like very family oriented. I would say like we have probably oh gosh we probably have five or six different i guess kind of families within the hunt club that have like different like members of the family like whether it be like us like the mom and dad and son or like robert and josh who are father and son but then you got frog who's related a brother-in-law like and then you got the whole merv kenny all them like it's just one basically one big family but um just kind of I guess it doesn't matter who, but just talk about like kind of how how our club like works and like what kind of makes our club like as successful as it is, I guess, in a way. Uh, the big thing, uh, everybody in our group, we just all get along so good. And yeah. Just, you know, it is like a big family. And yeah, we all understand that safety is the number one issue, and yep. we don't have a problem sharing stands. People yep. can go pretty much to a different place every time if they want to. Yeah, I mean sharing. Same with like sharing meat. Like if you kill a deer, like I know a lot of people, like they kill a deer, they they want it all, and like and that's fine, but to a point, like once you get later in the year and you've had plenty of success like hey maybe give a little meat to somebody who hasn't really had any luck this year i mean we have a couple people in our club that they eat on deer meat all year round i mean and now with the prices of meat and all as expensive as it is i mean to some people that that makes a huge difference but um a a big part for us i guess in this club and what a lot of people that may listen to this might not know anything about is we are primarily like a dog hunting club. And no, 
that does not mean we hunt dogs. Like we use dogs to aid in a deer hunt is what that means. But we have, what would you say, probably about 20 to 25 dogs? I think we're at 23 right now. Yeah. Yeah, and that number kind of fluctuates a little bit. Um, But we'll turn, we'll, kind of the way it works with our group, you have like, say we have 25 people that day coming to hunt. Well, we'll pick a block of woods and we will scatter the people all throughout the block of woods in kind of some of what we think are the best locations. Well, obviously you want all of them to be the the better locations you have, but you kind of want to surround the property and maybe have a couple pieces here and there where it's kind of like a really well-known deer crossing. You want to have somebody there and then myself, which my voice might sound a little hoarse today because I was yelling so much yesterday, but um, myself, um, my buddies Mitch and Justin, um, we've kind of taken over the role of what you and Herman used to do and y'all used to walk with the dogs every day. Well, now Herman still walks, you still walk some, but it's it's really the probably three to four people a day will walk with the dogs and you the objective is to go through the woods, hit kind of what you would think is a good bedding area for a deer and when the dogs hit the track of the deer, you're yelling the whole time because your job is just to spook the deer up and run them to the other people. And when the dog hits the scent of the deer, they start barking. And, and it can really be like a, a big adrenaline rush, I would say, for, I mean, there's nothing like having, like this past, I mean, yesterday we had a uh, some really good chases. I mean, it's, it can be really loud and really exciting and you better be ready because sometimes it's 12 to 15 dogs running one deer and, and, but, um, really, I guess like along the lines of dogs, like what really attracted you to starting to own like your own hunting dogs? I guess growing up, we always had a couple little beagles that would run a rabbit. And then when I got into deer hunting, the first, when I joined the club the first year, um, I just noticed all these people were messing with the dogs and it was like, I kind of want to do that. So I figured the best way to to mess with the dogs was to have my own. Yeah. And. Uh, so I started, I had like two or three to start with, and then it got up to about five, and I was still, like I said, 17, 18 years old, and then from that it just kind of kept growing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been up to as many as 30, For 35, sure. and uh, yeah. I had to cut back a little. <laughs> yeah, and I remember when your brother at one time had 50 dogs that he he had and then you had 25 30 and it was uh yeah that was a little crazy but times as far as like a lot of people might be kind of wondering or maybe you're not but it's kind of part of it uh it used to be you let the dogs out and the dogs just had a collar with their nameplate on them like your name and phone number and 
you didn't have any way of tracking these dogs down. You just kind of hoped to, to to see them or that they would come back where you turn them out. Talk a little bit about like that, like how what 20 years ago how different it was trying to get your dogs back after you turn them out well one of uh, one of the older hunters told me uh, a long time ago when you're trying to catch a dog he goes wherever you turn them out take one of your shirts or your jacket and lay it on the ground and if they happen to come back while you're looking for them on the road that they'll usually stay around and I figured that was the smarter dogs, the ones that yeah. wanted to be caught. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times that's how we actually thinned out our dogs was the smarter ones that knew how to come back versus the yeah. ones that just well, and that really, take off and go across country. And that really was for multiple reasons, but the main one was because, it. I mean, it was a lot more convenient for you. I mean, otherwise you'd have to, I mean, nowadays it's like the price of gas being what it is going back and forth to the northern neck yeah three and four times to try to find a dog is is pretty tough but tell them about yellow how you used to have a dog named yellow and he'd stay in the yard and you only time you would um the only time i put yellow on the chain was like two weeks before deer season yeah and that was so i would have him when i wanted him because yeah. most of the time he lay in the yard and every day he'd get up and go across the road and run a deer, come back and lay in the yard. That's crazy. So he was like he was like the family pet, but he knew when I hooked him on the chain yeah. that it was time to go to work and he oh, yeah. was ready. Yeah. And no matter where I took him, he always came back where I let him out. Yeah, and, and you know, I always, like, I think about it now and, like, so me coming up, hunting like basically my first kind of memory like i don't even know if i really ever remember the days where there were no collars on the dogs if i do it was the very first year or two i hunted but then we had these tracking collars that you would have to put a magnet into them and the magnet when it was in the collar it turned the collar off and then when the magnet was out the it would send like a you would have an antenna and if you were pointing in the right direction, it would beep. And then however faint the beep was was how far away the dog was. And as you got closer, it got stronger. But now, I mean, it, it is so much easier to catch your dogs. I, I work with a with the Garmin Alpha tracking system. And, I mean, you can see which tree the dog is beside at any time. I mean, it's just incredible. But kind of going back to what you were saying about like the dogs the smarter dogs are the one that would come back where you turn them out i mean i think now like we've kind of taken that away from the dogs like for the dogs having that ability because most of the time i mean obviously you don't want your dogs to be out in the middle of the road in traffic so i mean if you're able to catch them you're gonna catch them. I mean, they don't. Yeah. They don't have to know how to come back anymore. Cause I don't usually. I'm pretty good about trying to get in front of them. And well, that's another thing. Is um, a lot of times we're riding around looking for dogs before we had any kind of tracking system, and they would be on the road trying to come back, and they may get hit. Yeah. 
now with yeah. the new GPS collars, um, if they're close to the road, we can get to them. Yeah, quick. yeah, it's really it's it's a huge help, and I mean it's the dogs become. I mean, you told me like when I was really young that the the best part and the the hardest part at the same time of owning dogs is you grow close to them and and I think kind of you unfortunately would lose a dog here and there due to traffic I'm not saying that can't happen now because it definitely can but you're able to almost really help prevent it now because you can if they're getting close to a road and you're able to be by your vehicle you can go and try to get in front of the dog and kind of catch him up but um kind of shifting gears a little bit um and this doesn't have to be talking about hunting with the club or anything like that but i mean hunting has been just a part of me and our lives i mean ever since i was born and and i mean there's been a lot of memories and a lot of i mean Golly, so much of my life has revolved around hunting, really. But what is one moment or a couple moments? Like, like what is, first of all, before we get there, like about hunting in general, like what is the best part of hunting to you? Like what, what is the best, what makes hunting as special as it is, I guess? Go ahead, Mom. I just like being outside. It doesn't matter to me if I see a deer or I don't see a deer. Yeah. Uh, if it's during, you know, seasons like black powder or bow season where you don't have dogs, you always hear birds singing. Yeah. You see, you know, all kinds of creatures that you wouldn't see if you were just sitting in the house. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, I like, just like being outside and... If, even if I don't have any success, it's yeah. still a good day. Yeah, it's like like being, there's nothing better to me, like, as far as talking about hearing the woods wake up, than being in the woods an hour or two before light and listening to the first bird chirp, and then you hear a turkey goblin. I mean, it's just that stuff that people just don't experience. And that's, yeah. I mean, Dad, what, what about you? Like, what is... Uh, the big thing for me is family. I mean, yeah, we all do it. I mean, and I grew up dog hunting. Yeah. And thanks to you, I guess, is I started with a crossbow. Yeah. Which I never did before. And it's been probably, what, seven, eight years now that I've yeah. been using a crossbow. Get your extra month for and the season to hunt. Then... Actually, my favorite time is two weeks of muzzleload. Well, okay, I enjoy the hunt club, but for those two weeks, it's usually us just yeah. going hunting, and I yeah. don't have to worry about telling people where to go, yeah. get on the stand. Yeah, I don't have to worry about the dogs. I just go set. Yeah, for and enjoy the time. Yeah, for the people listening. Um, you really don't realize, and it, <laughs> like, I, I know how enjoyable it must be for Dad to get that time, like, kind of to himself, because, like, 
it's without him this hunt club doesn't happen like there's so much behind the scenes that takes place like i mean that a lot of people take down every day checking on the dogs making sure they're fed watered the hunt club our hunt club is in their backyard and i mean it's it's a lot that goes into it from golly for years they pay the electric bill for whatever the hunt club does i mean it's so so i definitely understand and and it's don't don't think that that was a selfish answer because i promise you selfish is not a part of who he is or who really anybody in the family is um but uh one more thing like before we move on to like what your most absolute most memorable moment is like i know i mentioned the hunt club being in the backyard talk about when i remember when i was probably eight years old or younger talk about what the hunt club building was like compared to what it is now Air Hunt Club building was um, probably about eight foot deep from front to back wall <laughs> yeah. by about 12 foot long. And that was yeah. probably like after about two or three yeah. years. Then we decided to build on, so we added four foot in length. Nice. <laughs> and we had an old metal tin heater, wood heater. Mm-hmm. And it was plywood, and yep. I mean, it would get so hot in there, you couldn't breathe. Yeah, and I, I remember on the outside of that building, like somebody, uh, a neighbor's friend or something, painted a deer on the side. It was actually a really good painting of a deer. Yeah. But I remember that, and and you go from that to now, you have a, a 24 by 32 building, metal building with concrete floor, really nice building and we just added on to the shed this year and now we're able to have like a almost like a it's basically like a living room dining room for the hunt club we got two nicer tvs in the hunt club shed than they do in the house it's really we got a mini split air conditioning unit thank you justin ford in the hunt club i mean it's uh it's it's pretty funny but anyway, uh, back to kind of the, this is like a, a highlight here. What is, I'll start on this one, but uh, what is your most memorable hunt? Kind of, I'll do one like myself and then one with one of y'all. Um, first of all, the one with you, Dad, I remember, and I'll never forget this, I was super, super young. Um, this deer is not a deer that's on the wall, even though it maybe should be a deer that's on the wall. Um, we were at a place called Miss Dunham's in the very back of the field and we're sitting, it was like a little point almost. And I remember there was just this huge tree and we would sit in the same spot. Actually, we were sitting in the spot where I actually killed my very first buck with my uncle Tim with the muzzleloader but um i remember we were there and it was around this time of year sort of it was muzzleloader season and this buck was chasing this doe in the field 
and he kept coming out near the back corner of the field. He came out one time, and then he, he just came out for a second and went back in, and we just thought it was over with. We thought we were never going to see him again. And then I just remember, I mean, correct me if I'm not remembering any of this right, but I remember the deer ended up coming back out into the field, and, like, I was I was too young to shoot at this point, but I, I just remember the deer coming out and you shooting him and that deer just gave the biggest mule kick like I've ever seen and then he takes off through the woods and and I remember we actually had a dog named Moose at the time and we came back home and got Moose and I just remember Moose getting on the track of that deer and just dragging you through the woods right on the track of the deer and he led us right to the thing yeah i mean i will never never forget that i had him on the leash and we're going through some log bushes and uh he was pulling me so hard i hung my foot on something and tripped and he was actually sliding me on the ground (laughs) and when he stopped yeah the deer laid with his head straight down with his rat pointing right at me. When I looked up, Moose was on top of the deer, oh and the deer gosh. was looking at me, but he was dead. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and, yeah, that was just really cool. But the, I guess for me, uh, there is a hunt that there's just no way that I'll ever, ever forget it. Um, actually, I was lucky enough to kill this deer where I live now, uh, it's my grandma's house at the time, but uh, this deer is actually in the logo for Cold Harbor Outdoors. Um, I was sitting in the tree with my bow. I have been very lucky and killed, I think, I guess probably six, six or so, what I would consider fairly nice deer out of this same tree stand. And this was 2015. Um, it's a buck that I had on camera. Um, I had him on camera. I just happened to go into the woods that morning and check the camera or the, hold on. Yeah, that morning and check my camera. And, uh, I was on the way from the drugstore, my basically office on the way over to, um, uh, a rental property to actually do some work on the house. And I stopped by, checked my camera and saw a really nice buck, this buck that I eventually ran into that afternoon on the camera. And I remember being over and I was, uh, sorry Tommy in advance, my boss, my uncle, um, I was supposed to be painting an oil tank that day. Well, I painted, I painted, I've never painted something so fast in my life and I, I didn't cover the bottom, I'm sorry. But I covered the rest of it, got in the tree, and it was, this was before the time change. It was in bow season. I think it was about 5.15. This deer walks up the path, like it's an old roadbed in there. He walks up, and he, I couldn't believe, I could see his feet coming, and then I saw his head, and I could just see his rack, and he just stuck his head up in a holly tree and just started shaking the holly tree with his horns. And then he locked he locked eyes with me, and I just had to have a stare down with him for two minutes. Well, felt like 25 minutes. It's probably only 30 seconds, but he stepped out, 
looked away from me. I drew back and I I drilled him, and that's just I actually didn't get the deer mounted <laughs> for whatever reason, but I did get a, a European or a skull mount of the deer. But that's kind of honestly how the logo came to be. But uh, that that was a long-winded answer. But that was that's definitely my most memorable hunts. Mom, how about you? Probably mine was we went to Lancaster and you know we'd always meet up there by the by the grain bins at Jock Shed mm-hmm. and then we go get on the stands. Well y'all wait till everybody's ready. You get on the radio, are you anybody everybody ready yet? Are you where you need to be? Well, I got up in the stand and no dogs were running or anything, and I can hear something behind my stand. So I stand up and I look, and I'm like, "Hmm, here comes something. Somebody that came in on the, you know, backside of me must have spooked him up." So he walks on along, you know. And I was like, "Oh my god!" So I shot at it. Yeah, but you came. I don't you know came, how many times. You came. You shot at this deer like it was between five and seven times. I knocked it but down. But she came on the radio afterwards and said, "I don't know. It kind of looked like a maybe like a four pointer. I don't know what it was. It, I don't. It never faced me. Yeah. It was walking sideways. So I'm. This thing was far from a four pointer. Larry was on the stand like. Behind me, yeah, and I said, Larry, can you come? Because the deer kept like lifting up his head and stuff, and I didn't want to get out of the stand and spook it. So Larry comes <laughs> walking down, and um, he walks over to the deer, and it finally died. And I said, Larry, what is it? And he goes, Oh my gosh, he said, You killed a monster. I said, You what? So yeah, it was it was a big deer. And then did I call you to tell you you knew before Dad yeah. did? Yeah. He was Dad was driving yeah. dogs. And he walked up on it. When he walked up on it, he went, "Oh my!" He actually started crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that tells you a little bit of what hunting means to us. We we cry over a, what a deer looks like, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I definitely remember that too. Exciting. Yeah, for sure. But Dad, how about you? I know you've been, oh gosh, you got probably more stories than anything than anybody. But what is one it's or maybe two? Always one hunt every year looks like that sticks out. But I think lately, in the last probably three or four years, is hunting my cousin's farm, Joe Figley's farm. Yeah. It was uh, 22 people hunting. Yep. We killed 19 deer in three and a half hours. <laughs> yep. Yep. And um, that sounded amazing. It was those. We've had a couple, but that takes the cake. I mean, that was that was incredible. I mean, you get everybody involved. I mean, everybody that day, with the exception of one person shot at a deer mm-hmm. that's just unheard of i mean it was really really cool but um for those of you listening those are kind of 
our highlights of our kind of hunting lives and uh but really one last thing that i kind of want to touch on and then i'm gonna just wrap up but um one last thing is to me as far as the hunt club again is concerned because that's that's kind of what this episode is mostly about but we have a blast from the moment we get there till the moment we leave and i mean i remember in listening to stories from the old shed that sometimes people wouldn't leave until three or four a.m or some would just never leave and y'all would get to the point where y'all would be messing with each other and then wrestling matches would break out in the shed or playing games at LCR now. It's We just have a lot of fun. And I guess kind of the most special part and really it's a lot of people look at hunting and they think, why would anybody want to do that? I don't want to shoot these animals. Like they aren't bothering me, but couple reasons for us one we're help we hunt a lot of places where farmers make their living by their crops and we're doing them we're obviously doing it for ourselves because we and we thoroughly enjoy it but we're doing them a favor by knocking out some of the deer population controlling the deer population but um anyway it's not about that though for us it is by far and above there's nothing better than coming back after a successful or a every day in the woods to us is successful if we're all together but it's about like the memories made like spending the time in the clubhouse in the evenings i mean that's it is gosh it's it's actually makes hunting season even more fun yeah is coming That's back. Why last year was so bad because of COVID. Yeah. Coming back and just being with everybody and listening to all the yeah. stories. Yeah. And that's and heaven forbid if you should miss one that day. Oh man. And come up with excuses for what happened. Yeah. Because we're gonna help you along. Oh yeah. And what people also need to know, uh, in our club, you don't like. I think. A while back, if you if you missed a deer, like you would get your shirt tail cut or something. With us, we have a collector, and Herman, who's one of Dad's absolute best friends, he I don't know how he does it, but he remembers everything. You can't get anything by Herman. So if you in our club, if you pull the trigger. I don't care if you hit a deer, if you miss a deer, don't come out of the woods with hair or blood on a leaf. If you do not come out of the woods with meat, you owe $2 for every time you pull the trigger and were unsuccessful. And, oh man, one one person in particular that comes to mind, Josh Jenkins. Oh my goodness. My man, there's no such thing as a, well, in our club, we don't, use anything such thing as a fully automatic shotgun but he can fire off five rounds at a deer faster than i've ever heard anybody and he has been known to owe ten dollars after pulling those triggers we all know something about that though no but me mom dad all of us have contributed most every single season there's only been i think one time i did not contribute 
to that, but that's just because I didn't shoot at all hardly. But um, but y'all, thank you so much for for sitting down and talking. I know kind of an interview type situation is not the most fun thing, but I've had a really good time. And uh, unless y'all got anything else that you want to talk about, I guess we can kind of wrap it up. Um, I guess one one more thing on my mind. We were talking about like the members of the club getting together and hanging out, but it really becomes at night for us. It just becomes, it's almost like, I'm trying to think. It's like two months like of holiday type get togethers for us. Like the wives, the daughters, the sons, everybody brings a dish, have a few adult beverages and, and, talk about the day and tell some funny stories but anyway uh thank you all so much for joining us this week i hope you enjoy uh this episode of the cold harbor truth podcast if you enjoyed this week's episode of the cold harbor truth podcast as much as i did uh, please continue to tune in as we are planning to post new episodes one every wednesday uh for more content Please like us on Facebook at Cold Harbor Outdoors and on Instagram at cold underscore harbor underscore outdoors. And that is the Cold Harbor Truth.